Greetings and welcome to the second installment of the Cybersecurity for Generations Assets podcast. My name is Jason Holler, and I am a program manager that, that leads applied cybersecurity R&D in the generation sector here at the Electric Power Research Institute, or EPRI. I'm flanked today by Jeremy Lawrence, a principal technical leader in the R&D program, and together, we will be your hosts. Today, we'll be speaking with a panel of experts on digital twin technologies. We are joined by Bobby Noble, who heads up gas turbine research at EPRI and has focused the past couple of years building and broadening digital twins for various OEM gas turbine models. Susan Maley, who leads research and instrumentation sensors and modeling at EPRI, and the research in her program is helping to make digital twins more accurate and useful as tools for the industry, as well as Chris Perillo. Chris is the engineering director for Turbine Logic, a company focused on using digital physics-based models to provide customers with increased value from the data customers already have and collect in massive quantities. Turbine Logic has been the primary developer of the EPRI Gas Turbine Digital Twin and supports efforts related to digital twin development and deployment. Welcome everybody and thanks for being with us today. Uh, I'd like to jump right in and ask a question to Chris. So Chris, I've heard a lot of terms being thrown around digital twin simulation, emulation, what, what is a digital twin and what's the difference between digital twins, simulation and emulation of actual equipment? Uh, that's a great question. So maybe we start with uh, emulation. And in, in, our in our estimation, emulation is seeking to duplicate the, the thing, the operational technology exactly. And that's very useful for design, and it's commonly employed in, in the technology world. Uh, but the challenging thing with emulation is it's, it's much more difficult when we're talking about physical power plants. And that's because these systems are much more complex, they're large, uh, there are a lot of uncertainties and complexities with the equipment. Basically, no two power plants are exactly alike. And that makes emulating the exact object very, very difficult. And that's where simulators can come in. And what simulators are doing is trying to mimic the basic behavior. So they're not simulating every single little thing that happens, um, but they're trying to give you an overall response of the machine. If it's hotter today, what's going to happen? If I start more quickly, what's, what's, how's the plant going to respond? So in that sense, they're very useful for what ifs and training. Uh, but the two downsides, if you can call them that, to simulators can be sometimes they're created by the original equipment manufacturers, which means they can be locked down. So the users may not be able to change how the simulation functions. Um, and then also they, they may be general. So a simulator, if you can think of like a flight simulator, it would work for a type of plane or in this case, a type of power plant. But that doesn't mean it knows all the little ins and outs and complexities of, of your power plant. And so that's where 
uh, for the gas turbine world, digital twins can come in and they marry the physics, the real-time operational data, and then employ data analytics, machine learning, uh, basically to let the operator do additional tasks. So this can be things like diagnostics, forecasting performance into the future, figuring out when to wash the machine or do maintenance. Um, and there, certainly the models and digital twins are analogous to simulators, uh, but they're different in that they're always learning and trying to replicate the current state of the plant so that you can do useful things with them. Yeah, really interesting. Thanks for making that distinction. So when we talk about digital twins, and maybe I'll re kind of redirect here to Bobby, if people are interested in deploying a digital twin, what is really the general process that you'll go through and look at to develop out that digital twin model? That's an excellent question. Uh, thanks, Jason. I, you know, in all honesty, uh, thinking about trying to deploy a digital twin may sound like a daunting task, uh, especially for the for a gas turbine asset. One thing I would uh, suggest folks starting out with is actually checking out some of our uh, reports and webcasts. Uh, our latest report outlines a lot of our, the ongoing work that uh, we have, uh, how we've gotten to where we're at, uh, some looking at some of the applications of a digital twin. And so, you know, really I would say start there. We've got a webcast coming up actually in July uh, that's going to be focused on digital twins. So uh, there's a lot of resources that can be found at EPRI.com. But then, you know, the second thing is, I'd say let's have a discussion. You know, part of it is with what solution are we, we trying to, uh, to accomplish here? Uh, you know, de deploying a digital twin, if you look at uh, some, of the, uh, so some of the offerings that are available, uh, through through various OEMs or other third party uh, uh, systems, they're 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 aimed for certain aspects. Uh, but with the EPRI uh, work on digital twins and gas turbines, uh, we're we're looking to try to give a more uh, general tool or capability uh, so that it can be applied um, in aspects that are needed for for individual use. So, where do we start with this? Well. Uh, we do have some some base models that are uh, um, that that are are already developed, and so from those we can generally use uh, about one year of uh, data, and we can um, train those uh, generic models to uh, replicate the exact unit that you're looking to apply digital twin for. Now, as far as how does this deployment look? Um, you know, typically our members and, and those we're working with on this gas turbine digital twin, we can give them some simple equations, uh, constants that they can put into uh, their historian, put it into other uh, advanced pattern recognition uh, APR software that they're uh, already utilizing and trying to run this alongside uh, so ultimately, the way uh, we've been deploying digital twin is not adding to or, or, or trying to complicate with more software, especially thinking about from a cybersecurity standpoint, but actually being able to utilize the things and the tools that you already have in place so that it's really an add-on. 
And so that's kind of, we've, we've been looking to do these, these solutions uh, and, and deployments as, as uh, really as streamlined as possible uh, with, with the members we've been working with. And so uh, we've had great results uh, to this point and a lot of great feedback as far as uh, how this is, this is an easier way uh, to deploy new tools like this. Well, Bobby, it sounds like it's a great tool, but what are some of the use cases that the utilities are actually using it for today? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question as well. And that's, um, you know, really um, an important thing to understand, you know, first and foremost, digital twin is not just a buzzword. I think that's been one of the challenges is uh, to this point is that uh, everybody has called things digital twin and and really the expectation or understanding of what can be done with those digital twins, uh, if you will, um, are, are somewhat ambiguous. Um, it, it's, you know, this has been, uh, I guess, termed in the industry as a one size fits all for every analytic tool. And, you know, that that's not really what we're looking for here going back with what Chris mentioned about the differences between simulation, emulation, and, and digital twin. Ultimately, with the way we've married the physics and real-time operational data, uh, there's a lot of key aspects that we're able to do uh, and, and help our members with um, increasing their day-to-day their -day productivity, their day-to-day -day capabilities, and day-to-day and, and -day understanding. You know, in thinking about health monitoring, Ultimately, with a digital twin, uh, we now have uh, live, real-time um, um, determination of what your your unit should be doing, what the operational data should look like, and so from that you can make some uh, make estimations and comparisons with uh, what your unit is currently doing versus what you could expect. Uh, you know, this is very important in thinking about. Um, Another another key aspect or capability with APR software or other trending or alarm type management that's being used. Uh, so this is this is yet another way to look and see is my unit performing the way I expect it to. And with this, it kind of leads into and marries right together with virtual sensors. And what do I mean by that? Well, ultimately, these virtual sensors are exactly what they sound like. Uh, it's not a physical sensor that we're putting on the unit. We're actually using uh, the knowledge and capabilities built within these digital twins to uh, estimate, uh, to, to uh, give value uh, where maybe, uh, maybe it's a, a case where, and we've, we've seen this on a lot of, you know, error derivatives uh, units have had this problem uh, where maybe the sensors are not maintained properly or you know, sometimes there's units that uh, just because of their age are not receiving, um, uh, do not, you know, get the instrumentation care that is needed. Uh, so this is a great opportunity to say, well, you know, that pressure sensor on, you know, unit three at site X, you know, that pressure sensor has been bad, but now because of digital twin, we can actually give an estimation of what that value should be. So it's kind of filling in the blanks of where you're missing some operational data. But then there's other key aspects within 
there are certain things within gas turbines that just are either hard to measure, impossible to measure, or potentially just too expensive or just the value added is not there to physically measure those those uh, uh, those numbers essentially. And the, the virtual sensor platform can be extended to that. So uh, what, what are examples? Examples of that would be uh, your reference firing temperature or turbine inlet temperature. Uh, we, we can uh, give uh, understanding and, and estimations there in real time on what those values would be. Some units, uh, especially uh, uh, depending upon the OEM, those, there may be calculations for that, but this is a good opportunity to make a comparison. Uh, there's other unit types that that uh, value is hidden within the control system. So you get to see kind of a comparison of where you think you should be versus uh, what the digital twin is, is uh, giving estimation to. And so there's other things like uh, tracking efficiencies of various components. Um, compressor efficiency, turbine efficiency, and so forth, you can start to track these, these features. And so those are very, very valuable when you're looking at, uh, like for compressors, for example, uh, you can use this as I'm gonna get, get ready to transition into talking about kind of maintenance, maintenance advisories. So we can use these values to determine things like, well, let's look at optimal water wash uh, opportunities. So water washing has to do with literally washing the compressor. And so you, uh, even though you have air filtration there, there's still particulates and other things that build up and they reduce your uh, efficiency of your compressor, which reduces your overall efficiency of the engine. And so there is definitely a power output uh, that, that is affected there as compressor efficiency decreases. And so with our predictive, uh, predictive capabilities, you can start to look at optimal, um, optimal uh, points in time where you can make these, uh, make these maintenance uh, um, um, operations. And so, uh, you know, there, there's great aspects there. And then I mentioned predictive. Well, this can be a predictive tool as well because the digital twin can look out a day, a week, and so forth in advance and tell you what the unit, based upon uh, ambient conditions, other things, what the unit, how it should be operating. And so one of the things that we're involved in right now is actually using artificial intelligence combined with our gas turbine digital twin to start looking at enhanced dispatch order uh, for simple cycle units. So this is a, a great tool to even think about, okay, which, Tomorrow, when we go to start up, which unit should I run first? Um, you know, based upon the the current conditions and and other aspects of the unit. But then also, lastly, you know, one of the great things and one of the biggest advantages I think is using this as a diagnostic tool. And so, I, I, some examples of this that our members have um, sought our help after is looking at, um, you know, I was going to do, do an outage to maybe make some uh, hardware upgrades. Will these hardware upgrades do what I think they should? So that's one way of looking at it. Maybe you've already gone through your outage and you start running and something just does not look right in your data. We can use the digital twin as a diagnostic tool to determine uh, where some of those changes could be coming from or you know, more specifically trying to pinpoint 
what what is causing the problem. A great example is a unit came up out of outage. Uh, the heat rate was off, and we were able to help diagnose that a sensor was was changed or altered. And because of that, the the new calibration was not put into uh, to the control system properly, and therefore uh, the the heat rate looked off, even though the megawatt out uh, output and other things were where they should be. And so, you know, sometimes those are minor things that you can catch, and sometimes those are going to be major things with maybe hardware not being installed properly and so forth. So, lots of great examples here, and, and glad to have the opportunity to share. All right. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, that was really interesting. So I know, Susan, you look at um, a lot of digital twin from the perspective of monitoring and diagnostics and process control. Uh, do you have any insight on whether digital twin models factor in uh, process control signals that adjust for the changes in the physical conditions for operational systems? Yes, I think they do. Um... In the case of EPRI's approach to digital twin model development, uh, we use that data and the signals from the process control system to help shape that digital twin model. Um, so as Chris mentioned, as well as Bobby, there's a lot of stuff that can be uh, developed from the combination of the models and the AI and the data that we're collecting from the system. And so that data is important because uh, it reflects the dynamics of the system and, and the reality of how that system is being operated. And, and very few, uh, let's say, fundamental foundation models can re, uh, reflect that dynamic. So once that digital twin model is completed and operationalized, we can use that data and those process control signals in near real time as inputs into the model to uh, compute those things that Bobby mentioned that are useful to the, uh, to the members and those that are operating these systems. And in particular, the one that I'm thinking about is the combustion turbine and the gas turbine. So in these cases, it's a very complex system where we have real data gaps in our process control um, signals that we're, that we're collecting, as well as maybe additional sensors. Um, so the digital twin can actually fill in a lot of dynamics and a lot of gaps where where we may not have the data, but the data itself that we're collecting is reflecting some of those dynamics. So they work really well together um, to kind of create this um, model around a very complex piece of machinery. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, so does Susan does the Digital twin, does it use real-time data from an operating plant, or is it static data that's um, downloaded as snapshots in time? So, depending on the approach to digital twin. Uh, so, some of the work that EPRI has done has really gone into modeling faults and simulation of, again, we'll use the gas turbine as an example. It's also gone into creating diagnostics and helping to train the model. So in those cases, we use historical data. And, and there's also static data or inspection data or things or, or design information. All of those things can be used for model development. And so once they're set up uh, with their intended use, then yes, they use that real-time data from the operating plant 
Um, and in some cases, the more granular or detailed models will use the process data. Um, and so we think about how we operationalize, if you will, the digital twin model. So some, some models or some simulations can be incredibly detailed and granular and require a lot of compute time. Um, and, and then we have to think about how we put these models in play so that they can be used in near real time and actually accept that real time data. And in those cases where we wanna make some calculations or even some predictions over time, we have to think about where the appropriate details are um, in terms of a model versus something that's more generalized. So when we operationalize this and use this in the case of identifying anomalies and, and performing diagnostics, we have to think of these models in a reduced way or a, or a more simplified way so that they can be run in near real time. And they can accept that real time data and actually have output from those uh, calculations that can either identify deviation from normal operation or calculate those variables that cannot be measured, like the virtual sensors that Bobby mentioned. Thanks, Susan. It sounds like there's a lot of different things that kind of go into these models, whether it's data, um, whether it's understanding the IP around the gas turbines themselves, understanding the different control and DCS functions. And it sounds like, you know, there could be some barriers. So, so Bobby, I'm wondering what, what are some of those barriers for implementing a digital twin? No, that's, that's a great question. And, and really, you know, this is, this is where we're, we're still working on with some members on how to get around some of these barriers. But ultimately, I think it goes back to any solution, any, uh, any, any aspect we're trying to implement with our, with our members, it all comes down to really the data, uh, being able to have access to that data, some gas turbines, uh, they're set up to where some of their operational data may go to a historian. Some of that data may be locked away into the uh, control system. And really getting access to everything you need just may not be there. Now, that is one of the cool things with Digital Twin is that if we've got some of the information, we may have enough to fill in the rest of those gaps. So that is at least one way we can uh, get over some of those barriers. But really, data is the number one, you know, time. Ultimately, um, some of the solutions and, and um, aspects that we're trying to accomplish still take time. I mean, we've been working on uh, gas turbine digital twins for several years now. Uh, actually, it's probably closer to uh, four plus years now. And, and we've accomplished a lot of things in this time, but ultimately, you know, there, there's the time factor. Uh, there also may be the time factor of working through challenges within utilities to get these digital twins implemented. But then also, again, I mentioned earlier that we we try to uh, have, have have our tool uh, tool bag streamlined in that you know trying to utilize maybe the software and, and other applications that a utility already has 
as opposed to developing a standalone digital twin tool. And so, you know, all of this comes into uh, potential cyber issues around uh, if, if a new software is the desire uh, for, for an end use uh, versus trying to utilize uh, software that's already at a member site uh, M&D center. Uh, but again, a lot of this has to do with, with the data and cybersecurity issues as well. Uh, data may exist at the plant, but then, you know, streaming that to an M&D center may not uh, be happening. So again, kind of uh, tying into what Susan was just, just mentioning as far as uh, where, where uh, you know, in thinking about how we utilize data and is it real time, is it offline, uh, those those aspects fall into here on, on even within the utility where their data exists. So uh, really data and, and cyber uh, issues are, are some of the key factors uh, for barriers right now. Yeah, you know, Bobby, you brought up a good point there where, where we're talking about data and cyber. Some of the big challenges that we have, it, we've seen it recently with a lot of the new ransomware attacks within critical infrastructure is really how do you detect anomalous traffic that maybe that a digital device within your DCS system or your OT network isn't performing as you expect it to be. So maybe Chris, you know, maybe I could ask you since you've actually implemented a lot of digital twins within the power industry, uh, could a digital twin be used to help detect and verify that changes have occurred in an OT environment? Yeah, absolutely. So in, in an OT environment, I guess one thing is, is the way we've implemented digital twins to date really is focusing on making sure that the digital twin itself is, is running in a manner that it can't be hacked, that it runs with the existing systems and software and it essentially plugs in to provide whatever calculations are required. Um, so for, for a lot of operators, this would mean using it with their existing time series databases. They have the ability to do calculations, but it's using it with trusted software. Uh, and so that helps helps prevent um, creating an, an additional way that, that uh, nefarious actors could, could get in and compromise the system. And, and then also in terms of detecting changes from, from, a, from a physical perspective, we are focused on identifying changes to the hardware. So most of the models I've worked with are, are dealing with uh, gas turbines and power plants, and those can certainly uh, detect changes to the system, and that's really one of their primary purposes of physical ones, but I would imagine any digital twin is, is essentially you're constantly comparing a model of the system to what the system's actually doing. And then you can use those comparisons to ask yourself what's behaving differently. So on a physical system, it may be that, you know, two sensor measurements have disappeared, uh, dissipated and you're trying to figure out what, what may be the cause of that, um, but you're alerted to it. And so from, from an OT perspective, you should be able to do the same thing. Yeah, no, that, I think that opens some doors and, you know, Digital Twin may, may be able to be a tool that's dual utilized, one for operations and maintenance, and one for maybe the OT cybersecurity team. So maybe, Jeremy, I'd like to get your perspective here real quick and, and see what are your thoughts around 
incorporating a digital twin model into an overall cybersecurity strategy. Are, are, do you see any benefits that might be able to, to come out of that? Yeah, yeah, Jason, absolutely. Um, I think it's, to me, it's really interesting because when we look at a lot of the um, kind of more mature cyber attacks that we've seen, one of the things that we know is a lot of times the attackers will um, infiltrate the IT network first. And then from there, what they'll do is they'll use different tactics, techniques, and procedures to work their way down and pivot down into the operational technology or OT network. And one of the challenges from a detection point of view, once they've done that, is a lot of those different TTPs uh, really appear to be normal. So um, what I mean by that is they could use uh, stolen credentials that appear to be valid credentials. They could be using um, existing remote access technology. And, and those are really the, the kinds of things that are very hard to detect. And one of the things that we know is once they do gain access to the uh, operational technology uh, network, the network that's controlling the turbines, the plan operations, um, they can go in and attempt to change set points, change logic, um, change safety settings. And so I think one of the potential benefits for using a digital twin could be to run a parallel model of the physical environment or even the digital environment as well. And then from there, what we could do is we could use that to provide some kind of indications of anomalies and whether that gets sent off to a security information and event management system, a SIM or a security operations center. It could also be integrated with an intrusion detection system, uh, really to provide a higher level of confidence of detection. And one of the other challenges that we see is that um, you know, those the SIMs and some of these other tools, depending on how they're tuned, can yield a high degree of uh, false positives. So if we could take and not only have the cybersecurity tools that we typically use being looking for anomalous uh, network traffic behavior, if we were able to correlate that to what we expect is normal operational conditions, uh, it really gives us a, a good opportunity for um, minimizing the degree of false positives and really helping the security operations folks really focus in on potential um, cybersecurity attacks. I think one of the other potentials would be verification of normal operations following installation. And so when we look at it, you know, we look at installing uh, a device uh, once it's been new and we typically go through a process of uh, first factory acceptance testing and site area or site acceptance testing. Uh, that's, I think, another potential opportunity is we can use the digital twin as almost like a benchmark to compare expected operation to what we're seeing and provide uh, some potential benefit to the supply chain cybersecurity. Those are all great points, Jeremy. One of the things that comes to mind that, that I keep hearing is that uh, when you are employing a new SIM, you have some uh, lead time, a lot of learning time to, to really tune that to make sure that you don't get a lot of those false positives. So doing that comparative function between the actual plant itself and networks and the digital twin may really help to speed up that that uh, that tuning of some of that network equipment. Um, well, I asked Bobby earlier, you know, what are some of the challenges? I wanna throw it back to you as well, Jeremy, and, and say, ask kind of the same thing. What do you think some of the main challenges are 
out there that might be able to benefit from a digital twin or digital twin type tool maybe within the next three years, but maybe some of those other ones that are a little forward looking, maybe five plus years out. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, and I think there there are some potential quick wins. And so uh, as Susan and, and Bobby and Chris have talked about, um, as digital twins are starting to be deployed to help with monitoring diagnostics, you know, one of the things that they're looking at is something that appears anomalous. Well, a lot of times those anomalies could be due to a mechanical failure, but they could also be due to a cyber attack as well. So one of the things that I see is a really, I think, quick win type of activity is just a simple notification of the security operations center personnel that, hey, you know, we're investigating. We've seen something that looks like it's an anomaly. We don't know exactly what's caused that anomaly. Um, we're investigating and just giving them a heads up as um, to, to look and start initiating threat hunting and start looking at um, potential other indications of compromise. Um, I think also as we go forward, I think one of the other uh, potential real big benefits is enabling orchestration. And so what, I'm, what I mean by orchestration, I'm really talking about automated action from a cybersecurity perspective. So being able to isolate networks um, when you've detected an attack or suspect an attack and have some kind of automated response. And so one of the challenges with that, and as, as you've mentioned, Jason, there's a tuning process and there's false positives that take place with a lot of these detection tools. Now, um, one of the challenges with uh, that is that you could uh, potentially, uh, the, the response can be worse than the attack. So if you have a false positive and you're constantly isolating certain components, uh, there's a potential to impact operations. And so I think that's another area where as we could take these digital twin tools and help correlate to cybersecurity alerts and alarms and things like that, um, being able to raise the confidence level for those alerts, it could help enable that orchestration to whereas we don't uh, start to impact operations. Great, great. No, very interesting points. I think there's a lot of potential going forward to start expanding out how a digital twin can really benefit you know, a customer um, beyond just operations and maintenance. So um, with that, it looks like we're just out about a time. I want to thank our podcast panelists, Chris, Bobby, Susan, and of course, Jeremy, for being with us today. And uh, we're always here to answer your questions. If you have any questions, please feel free to get into touch with us at EPRI. And we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.